Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all of the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, we have got our usual panel today of Adam and Rhiannon and me. Uh, guys, go ahead and say hello and let people know where they can find you online. Hey guys, you can find me on Twitter and writing for the site as Brooklyn Wallace, and my Twitter handle is at Shot of Patron. And I'm on Twitter at Adam Barnhart, B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T. And my Twitter handle is Caleb A. Borchers, Borchers is B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. Um, let me also take a moment at the top of the show to remind you guys to uh, follow us on social media. The big one is to subscribe to us on YouTube. That's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. But you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, that's facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk and at marvelnewsdesk. Um, also, um, we are working to update the website um, just so everybody understands with this new thing we're doing. Uh, the website is not the core, I guess, of what we do. Um, we're, we're getting better about putting more content. Hopefully we're going to have at least three or four or five posts a week to that. Um, but the heart of what we're really trying to do is create multimedia content that we distribute then through the social media and stuff like that. So um, subscribing to us on YouTube is going to probably get you more content than clicking on our website every day because that's kind of what we're designed to do does that does that sound right adam adam's our chief strategist on these things so no yeah that sounds good you know that's that's what we wanted to do was something different there's you can get your news from a million different article driven sites so we want to uh do multimedia fun things so youtube's your best bet um yeah why do just youtube when you can follow us on every single platform yeah, right, and you'll you'll uh, you, you know you'll get notifications uh, that way too, and all that kind of stuff. So definitely go on over to watch.marbledoosdesk.com. Also, if you like seeing pictures as you listen to our podcast, um, we have been doing a better job about getting this uh, pod up on YouTube every week. Uh, you can watch that there; that doesn't bother us at all. So um, usually, it takes me a few more days to put that out. It usually comes out Tuesday or Wednesday ish. Um, if you like that, but obviously you can always follow it on the, uh, RSS feed too, um, with your podcasting app. So, all right, enough of that boring kind of stuff onto the news. And the first news is that Phil Coulson lives in the Marvel movies this week. Uh, if you did not see, we were joyously proclaiming it on the internet. Uh, we got, it was just kind of cool because of how, um, how it was really not expected, at least by me. Um, they released their official Captain Marvel has started production sort of email press release thing uh, from Marvel Studios, which is also bizarre because this thing has been kind of filming for like six weeks now. But it was their official start email. And it was like, oh, by the way, here's the cast. And they just casually dropped that uh, Korath... And Ronan the Accuser and Phil Coulson were all coming back. Uh, if you don't know, this movie takes place in the 90s. Uh, were you guys surprised by those additions? And does it have you a little more pumped up for Captain Marvel? I I don't know if I was surprised. I, I was surprised by it. And I feel like it should have been expected. Um, 
I'll be interested to see how they de-age Clark Gregg. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it was very unique. It, they kind of just dropped it out of the blue. There was, um, I mean, there had been some speculation that Ronan was going to be in it, but they released the synopsis and the cast list of sorts. So that officially confirmed it. Um, I was watching Guardians this weekend, and the one thing that I thought of, it's going to be interesting to see how they design, you know, how the production design is with Captain Marvel. You know, Ronan has his, it seems kind of old school, the Dark Aster and stuff. And obviously, that's too big of a spaceship to not be commissioned by, like, the Kree Empire, right? So it's going to be unique to see if they kind of carry that look and feel into Captain Marvel or they're just going to treat him as like the leader of some terrorist cell, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Korath, out of all people, Korath and Ronan and Coulson. Who would have thought? Yeah, I was a little surprised, and this is because I don't keep up well. I remember a couple, in my head, most villains didn't love their time in the MCU. Because, like, I remember that, um, you know, Red Skull and Malekith, the actors that played those roles, kind of left with a bad taste in their mouth because they hated sitting in makeup chairs and stuff. And so, in my head, I just sort of assumed that Lee Pace had hated his time in the role as well. Now, that may be, apparently he didn't hate it so much that he tried to wiggle out of his contractual obligations because he's back. Um, and so that's, I think that was part of the surprise to me is I, I had to put it in my head that he didn't like doing that. But that's probably not right. I probably never heard that. I just conflated him with all the other forgettable villains. So Adam and I have talked about how Ronan in the comics is pretty cool. And that, you know, and this is... James Gunn always gets a pass on this to me. As much as I love James Gunn, he really kind of killed a great character and kind of wasted him in Guardians. So there's the hope that I think that he'll be kind of retconned into a major character again. I think, I mean, there's always that one thing that Gunn brings up that he always had trouble with agreeing. Because that was back when they had this committee or whatever, and he always had the one disagreement with the committee or whatever he had to report to that was before feige had complete complete control um so i wonder if that was what ronan was was how they wanted to do ronan i don't know but yeah hopefully he gets some redemption in captain marvel yeah definitely all right moving on to our next news uh i really love this story because it just seems so like juicy to me we talked a little bit last week about deadpool uh the animated series getting canceled and then uh this week donald glover was apparently feeling like he was getting thrown under the bus and so he released like a script that seemed like the finale script but then it seemed like maybe it was something he wrote just to give the big middle finger to marvel tv um yeah so it's i don't know what do you guys think about this like clearly glover is not happy that this went down the way it did um there's been some suggestion at least based on that script that maybe i don't know that maybe the show was too like racially um i don't i don't know the word that like 
that the show was quote unquote too black, I think was the phrase that was used in that script. Um, I don't know. What are you guys taking from this rather public falling out on this project? Well, that script that he leaked looked like it was about four pages, five pages, what I saw. And it looked like about four or five pages that he wrote up just as a middle finger to FX. Um, I don't think it was a real script at all. Um, it did have, I mean, yeah, it was rude and, you know, who, who, who goes into Deadpool thinking it's not going to be rude? Um, but there's been a lot of weird things leaking from it. What I get the feeling with at this point is that a lot of folks affiliated with it are like, well, <laughs> leaking stuff worked for the Deadpool movie. Let's leak stuff for the cartoon and it'll get, it'll, it'll happen somewhere. Something will happen. Um, and that's just where that whole project feels like it is to me. Yeah. There was also, I forgot to mention some leaked footage that I saw today. And I feel like the footage kills the, it was too different from the movie thing. Cause I felt like the leaked footage kind of felt a lot like a Deadpool movie, you know, like, I don't know. It seems odd. I don't know, and I think he deleted the tweets as of now or a couple of days ago. He they were only up for a day or so, so he must have just gotten pissed off or fed up or or, or something and decided to leak it. But I don't, I I really don't know what to think. I mean, FX would be you know after their success with Archer, a Deadpool cartoon makes perfect sense for that channel. So I. I guess I don't know what to think about it. If if they if they didn't want the quote unquote R rated cartoon or, or what the deal is exactly, I don't know. But for him to take to Twitter and and leak the script, you know, I'm not. I don't know. Hopefully that didn't do too much irreversible damage of sorts. Yeah. No. Try to clear it up for me. Have we figured out whether it's FX that pulled the plug or whether it was Marvel that pulled the plug? Like, it seems pretty clear that Glover still wanted to make this based on his response. But I've been struggling to understand who was the one that said, because I've been feeling like this is all Jeff Loeb's fault. But maybe that's just me defaulting to another position, you know? <laughs> yeah, so... I talked to a guy who knows a guy. Oh, so this is inside scoopage here. from Adam. Nah, I wouldn't even go that length. It's it's literally he said he said. Um, but it, it comes back to the R-rated stuff. Apparently, Marvel didn't really drive well with the, the R-rated. I don't. I hate calling it R-rated because what what is it on TVMA? I guess. So the adult themed cartoon didn't really mesh with the Marvel vision and there's some kind of high school drama kind of stuff involved where apparently Marvel told FX that they hadn't gotten any scripts so that is apparently got back to Gambino who then leaked the scripts so I don't know I mean I if they did the Deadpool movie I don't see how anyone could still confuse the cartoon especially if it's on fx because what kids are watching always sunny right well and on fxx at probably 10 o'clock at night you know like well and also let's just say if this is true that marvel leaked that he wasn't getting his scripts in on time 
that's a sucky thing for Marvel to say, particularly if it's not true, because he has a business relationship with FX for Atlanta. So, like, they're actively putting a bad taste in his employer's mouth about his ability to put stuff in on top. Like, even if they like what's happening on Atlanta, it puts a little bit of doubt into their mind about sort of his professionalism and stuff. Like, I don't blame him for being ticked off if that's what went on, you know? Apparently, Matt Damon has passed on the villain in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, I was thinking about it. It's Marvel's gotten more secretive. Like, they've gotten to the point where they don't even tell us what the villains are until they have to. I feel like back in the day, you used to see, like, releases that were like, oh, we're making Iron Man 2 and the villain will be Whiplash. And now it's like, we're making Spider-Man Homecoming 2, but we'll never tell you what the villain is until you walk into the movie theater. Um, do you guys want to see Matt Damon in the MCU? Or do you feel like this was uh, a uh, a good a good miss for Marvel casting? I have no idea. I mean... Yeah. Matt Damon will be... I mean, he's already in the MCU a little bit as a little cameo. Um, I'd be fine with seeing him in a villain role. But it, I, I don't know enough about, like, what villains he would have been and everything. Yeah, Caleb, you're kind of the the Spidey guy, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I mean, who would, who, who would he play? I saw... I saw a banner on Twitter, and they had, they, I think they had Craven in Mad Damon. He can't be Craven. Who would he be, like a Mysterio? Or Just Electro? for the record, Matt Damon as Craven would be the worst idea ever, okay? <laughs> I just can imagine, I mean, he'd be calling Mickey Rourke for Russian, Russian accent um, tips, you know? Like, <laughs> it would be a mess. Uh, so I would hope that it wasn't um, Matt Damon. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, everybody keeps talking about Craven, but I just think that's because the fan community wants Craven's Last Hunt so bad. Uh, I mean, they keep pushing this European thing, and I try to think of, like... I mean, the one option that seems to make sense would be Chameleon, right? That uh, Chameleon's a Russian operative. Again, it would be bad Matt Damon. But, like, I don't know. I could see Chameleon would be a little more sensible for Damon, it would be weird because you wouldn't even see his face, which would be kind of bizarre. Like, he's a shapeshifter. It would feel like that's too close to the scrolls. Like, do we want two shapeshifter Marvel movies in the same year? Three, if you include Dark Phoenix. Um, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, there's been kind of this talk that there might be a father-son duo and we might be getting the Osbournes. I do get the sense that if they do Norman again, that they want to give us a big prestigious actor to do it. I don't know if that's Matt Damon, but, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I do think they'll probably give us Norman. Um, eventually, they'll want to go back to that well, I think. I think Feige will want his shot to do a Green Goblin story. And so it would not surprise me if we get some version of Norman seated in this next movie so that one or two movies down the road, he'll be ready to go, you know, but that's all just me wildly guessing. I have no idea. <laughs> all right. Um, so I split these up so that it wasn't all depressing news for X-Men stuff. Uh, this week, we also found out that New Mutants has been pushed back again to August of 2019. Um 
X-Men Dark Phoenix is going to come out next February. Um, you know, they're trying to spin this well. The talk was that new, um, they said, oh, Dark Phoenix was moved because we just had to do some reshoots. Reshoots are normal and the cast is really busy. Well, yeah, reshoots are normal and so you schedule them. And so if you're just doing minimal reshoots, you have the actors already scheduled to do them. Having to push back this movie tells me you're reshooting more than you thought you would. Then we've heard crazy stuff out of New Mutants that they're reshooting 50% of the movie. They're adding two characters. Uh, there was a piece by, um, oh, you posted it, um, Snyder. Yeah. Uh, what website is that, Adam? That's a very good question. I don't recall. Okay. <laughs> we'll look it up and maybe uh, say it later. But yeah, there was this article and they talked about like it was supposed to be a horror movie, but then Fox said, no, make it a like, you know, Mockingbird Katniss movie, you know, like a young adult movie. And then it came out and they were like, oh, crap. People wanted it to be a horror movie. So then they they cut a horror trailer, even though it wasn't a horror movie. And now they're like stuck with uh, interest from the community for a horror movie that they don't have. And so they're going to reshoot it. And then Antonio Banderas is joining the cast. And John Hamm was going to be Mr. Sinister, who is going to be the most tagged and teased yet never used villain. It's it's a hot mess. Uh, go ahead, Adam. What <laughs> You're smiling with no, that, delight at the dysfunction, so I feel it's, like. It's the tracking board that reported it. And they threw in a whole lot of info in that one report so apparently boone josh boone wanted the horror movie and he writ a horror movie script but the execs didn't want it like you said it came out so now they're reshooting to make the movie boone originally wrote and apparently they went this is what was mind-boggling they went the length and actually filmed john ham actually filmed his scenes as mr sinister I guess, which is completely cut out of the movie now. Um, and he's been replaced by Antonio Banderas. What the, I mean, what, what the heck? I, I don't but if know. It's just gonna be, if it's just going to be a teaser at the end, why do they have to cut it out? Like, that's yeah. really confusing to me. So that's, that's what I wasn't getting. Cause it says that he filmed the, the uh, post credit scenes, I guess. Um, but now they cut it out. Um, I don't know. And now there's more reports that, um, Chastain's playing, like, what is it? Mrs. Sinister or something like that? Yeah. So a scroll I, named Mrs. Sinister. Is she supposed to be a scroll? I, <laughs> I don't know. So I, that was, a, I'm sorry. That was comedic, uh, for the video watchers, <laughs> but I just rubbed my face in a way that said, dear God, what's happening. <laughs> So, I mean, New Mutants was originally supposed to come out this month, right? Yes. So, yeah, it's been pushed back officially a year and a half. So we... Caleb, you think it's going on the streaming service, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to the streaming service. That's never seen the light of day, so... Rhiannon, um, maybe you can help us. I mean, reshoots are scheduled ahead of time, right? Like, the idea, do you do you smell baloney as well with like, oh, we need to do reshoots and, oh, the actors aren't available to do them. Like, they should have scheduled that ahead, I would think. Yeah, I mean, all movies have reshoots. I mean, it, it, it's part of the movie making. 
So those reshoots, meaning the movie has to be delayed six months. Yeah, that's fishy. That's, that's. And I think like the one part of all this that I didn't hear you bring up is that like, there's also kind of news of all of the Fox execs jumping ship and that there's probably, you know, a lot of behind the scenes drama. Um, who knows? Um, what's going on but but no yeah yeah all movies have reshoots they're scheduled i mean i don't know i mean there's the henry cavill mustache reshoot thing i would have thought that was previously scheduled too but um so maybe it was just that i i i'm still calling bs right because the henry mustache thing was exactly this that they had to do extensive reshoots because the movie sucked yeah and so that's why they had the mustache issues because they had a window and they needed more than the window because they had a bad movie so exactly i have this vision in my head that once the fox deal gets done that kevin feige is going to be handed like a giant tupperware container with just, like, rolls of film, like, falling out of it. It's just, like, eight hours of New Mutants movie. And they'll be like, good luck. See if you can get somebody to cut this together into something meaningful. Because we don't know what it is, you know? Lots of big news this week. The uh, writer, co-writer of Doctor Strange was interviewed and kind of said... If I understood right, he was like, we haven't been hired to do Doctor Strange 2 yet. But if we were hired... The script would be, and then he talked about Nightmare as the villain, which I feel like we've heard lots of times from from Derrickson himself, Uh, and also that there's a very specific direction for Mordo to go in the second installment, and they kind of have an arc for Mordo already figured out, and that's part of what Chiwetel Ejiofor was excited about, was that particular take on that character, and that Nightmare would be one of these unnatural things that Mordo would try to fight against, so... Um, I don't know, guys. Does this sound like a good movie? Like, is that uh, as you hear more about Doctor Strange two, are you kind of digging the way they want to go with it? Is so the writer's Robert Cargill, right? I mean, is he going to get hired now that he just leaked the plot to some website? Because it like the quote I read seemed like pretty definitive. He's like, "Yeah, we haven't got hired yet, but once we do, it's nightmare." I'm like, "Whoa, okay, that's that's." pretty definitive on on who it's going to be and like you said that's been speculated talked about for quite some time so it was just kind of seemed way too blunt to be a, a marvel project you know yeah i'm with adam on that yeah I, i'm my guess is that this is i, I don't think this is a big deal because i don't think this is just a derrickson and him decision I think this is also just Marvels. Like, you know, they talked about how when Whedon sat down to do Avengers, there was always the plan that the second one would include Vision and Scarlet Witch and Ultron, right? That that's always where they wanted to go. And Feige and Whedon workshopped that before they ever started with the first one. And I'm pretty sure that this is the same way. We know that Derrickson went in and said, hey, I think Nightmare would be a great villain. And... Uh, Feige sort of said, you know, we need we need to introduce the world a little more. I don't think we're ready for that yet. So I'm guessing that the two of them had enough discussions that it's going to be Nightmare, whoever does it. And I think that Scott Derrickson is definitely doing it. I think Marvel is screwing with us right now and trying to pretend like they don't know what's happening. But they know very well that this movie is going to come out in November of 
2021 or whatever you know like it, it's coming so so behind the scenes i mean this is this is probably a stupid question how exactly does the writing process work you know so each movie that comes out it seems like they wrap up something like five movies ago or there's a nod towards that is that just because that fans brought it up as like a plot hole or something and they decided to wrap it up or do you think there's big brother feige watching everything and telling the writers like giving the writers a bullet list and the writer just fleshes out the script or how do you think the the creative process works i know derrickson put together like a, a presentation to f- and went in and pitched and he went at length on twitter about his actual pitch process but i don't know i guess i'm not sure how the creative process works does feige come up with everything and say here write the dialogue or what you know i mean like on a normal movie there's movie side the writing process has so many different ways it can be handled um it's not unusual to start with having a general idea and bringing in several writers and having them do a pitch on it and having them sort of flesh it all out. But with Marvel, they don't seem to go that route. They seem to sort of, you know, I guess there were some discrepancies on Thor or on, you know, they've had a few, like an, on Ant-Man, um, where they've changed writers through the way, which is really, really common on movies, but not that common in Marvel. So my guess is that Feige, that maybe they have a little bit of a pitch process, Feige has a general idea of what he wants and he gives them bullet points and they probably go through and do outlines and work with the the folks. You know, if not, and when we say Feige, I assume Feige has some minions that, that help with keeping everything straight and keeping the vision. But, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lengthy like outlining and storyboarding process that they probably all work together and then the screenwriter goes and puts together the actual script, which then probably goes through many revisions. Um, which actually like the WGA, the writer's guild, which is the union for the writers, like spells out how much, you know, if they have to do so many more rewrites, you know, every step of that way, they spell out how much that person gets paid and at what point their name goes on the poster as the writer when we saw the Captain Marvel thing this this week, there's lots of writers attached to that, different teams that have been involved. Um, that New Mutant story talked about, like, 15 <laughs> names of people. And at one point, they hired, like, six guys to sit down. And the article pointed out six guys um, to sit down and, like, blow up the script and then piece it back together. So, I mean, I think some weird machinations happen. My mental image is that Kevin Feige um, has, like, a beautiful mind, like, inside his office, you know? Like, just, like, all these push pins and, like, yarn. Or, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like Ben Urich, you know? He's got, like, all these, like, playing cards with, like, magic marker on top of them or whatever yeah. to, like, plot out where he wants everything to go. So, I, it's probably overdone in my head, but... Feige's office is actually that one wall in the Team Thor... Yeah, <laughs> trying to connect. The actually, shot inside Kev's office. That's absolutely, Feige's office. <laughs> All right, uh, a couple more news things. Uh, 
the cloak and dagger showrunners were asked about crossovers with runaways and they were like yeah we want to do it that sounds awesome um which is kind of cool i mean it's it's something that happened in the comic books rhiannon i know i think you liked runaways pretty well are you excited to see these guys cross over like would you like to see some of this cross-pollination of these tv properties i mean i don't know cloak and dagger yet um if it means that the runaways have gotten away from their parents and that they're actually running away and, you know, getting to go be kids and, you know, um, if meeting up with, with the cloak and dagger kids means that it's more of that the children are doing the stuff like on their own volition and like moving away from this little like child parent duo time that they had in runaways, um, then I would be excited about it. I mean, so that's, I mean, that's my biggest excitement of it is that it would mean the kids are out on their own. But if it's the runaways having dinner at like Tyrone, (laughs) Tyrone, right? At Ty's house with his parents and they're all just like talking about like, you know, hey, maybe you should go back. Your parents probably really worried about you. Then they can all just. Yeah. You're not interested in the Minoru family vacation to New Orleans is what you're telling me. (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly yeah crossover makes sense because like what cloak and dagger are part of the runaways in volume two or, or one of the volumes so i mean it makes sense from a uh source material perspective but if we're using that logic i mean richard Ryder is the lead member of new warriors and there's no chance in hell we're getting richard Ryder on an abc or freeform show so it'd be cool, but let's get Cloak and Dagger first and see how it goes. I mean, they say the pilot's awesome. So. Speaking of New Warriors and not getting it potentially, um, this was, I don't, we're not sure if this should be news or not, but the guy who's playing Speedball uh, just got picked up to be in the pilot of a big network show with um, Emily Rachkakowski. Is that roughly right? I always forget how to pronounce her name. The girl from the Blurred Lines video, I think, is the way everyone knows her. So this seems very weird that New Warriors is such a great show and it's getting picked up. But now the guy who's playing Speedball has got another gig. And it's like if his pilot gets picked up, is are they going to drop him? Are they going to change the character? And we don't know enough. It may be that he has a small enough part that he can do both. But this like came out and was kind of like, oh, that seems really weird, you know? I didn't. I didn't read the article. I read the headline. Did they? Did they just order the pilot, or has it been picked up to series? It's another ABC show, isn't it? All right, there we go. Bright Futures is the name of the show, and um, as I mentioned, it has Emily Radajkowski, however you pronounce her name, uh, Shamik Moore, Lily Singh. Uh, are all in the cast. It is a NBC single camera comedy from the creator of Blackish and Grownish. So, um, yes. So it's, it's not even ABC, it's NBC. And, um, the actor who is going to be, uh, who is set up to be in, uh, new warriors is, uh, what's his name? Callum Worthy. Callum Worthy. He is going to play a roommate. 
He is a gung-ho yet ultra-neurotic USC film grad student and wannabe screenwriter who's landed his first job working for Hollywood's up-and-coming. So it looks like it's going to be kind of, uh, you know, maybe happy endings kind of cast with lots of young people hanging out and being friends. And I don't know. I, I just am having a hard time seeing how he's going to do this and New Warriors. It seems like they're starting to run the risk of losing cast, I would think, when it takes this long to develop a TV show, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's why Jamie Alexander wasn't in Ragnarok, right? Wasn't that one of the reasons? Because she was filming Blindspot? Yeah. Yeah. So if you pass up a Marvel movie, I mean, yeah, it's probably not looking too good. At least for Mr. Baldwin. All right. So that's weird. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, final thing uh, that I had here. Uh, one of the... Uh, so when Stan Lee is in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and Rocket's looking at him through his binoculars... His speech is in the scroll language, uh, which, first of all, how did that not get caught by anyone all this time? It shows you how how much Easter egg is in that movie. Um, but do you guys do you guys think that this was intentional by Gunn to like seed the scrolls in the universe? Are they already talking about it, or is this just something fun he did and <laughs> it doesn't really have anything to do with the overall MCU? I think Gunn knows a lot. I think Gunn's doing things intentionally. It's four years later and we're still still picking out fresh Easter eggs. I mean, he said this wasn't the one, though, right? So apparently not all Easter eggs have been found, including the one, whatever the one is. Who's watching the movie and says, oh, hey, that's Scroll, or, you know, how? I wonder how that went down. I have no idea what the scroll hieroglyphics look like, but somebody does. Yeah, I'm assuming it's like a, a proprietary font or something that they've got at Marvel, right? Because scrolls sometimes talk in the original language untranslated in the comics, right? It's a good question, because normally in the comics they put it in quotes and then they use an asterisk and they said translated from scroll or scrollian or scrollish. That's that's the next comedy coming from ABC. We had Blackish and Grownish, and now Scrollish. <laughs> it's it's a Marvel Kenya Harris <laughs> combo show. I I do think Gunn knows a lot more than he's letting on. I mean, this week he was in Georgia filming something, but he was taking videos with his girlfriend from set, so it probably most definitely wasn't a Marvel project. But he also used like hashtag Top Secret or something. Or secret film project, I think, was the correct verbiage. So, I don't know. All right. Um, we will move past our news. I think that is all the major stuff going on in the news. Uh, we have no trailers this week. Surprise, surprise. So, it is time to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, another episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, last week, we talked about Space Hydra. This week, it was Hydra High um, as a big chunk of the show. Uh, Rhiannon, what'd you think of this episode? So, I mean, the first, like, two-thirds of the episode, I was just kind of like, okay, I mean, this is just, like, blatant exposition. Just, you know, we need to catch everybody up. Here's the new direction we're going. And I was just ready to be like, oh, what a, you know, it's just a piece to get us to the next thing. Um, which, but fabulous. I mean, you know, like, they're, they're pulling all together in interesting ways. They're pulling people out from nowhere. 
Um, they're, they're doing, I mean, this is the type of stuff that would normally drive me crazy because it's bringing back characters from years ago that I struggle to remember because that's always been my one complaint with S.H.I.E.L.D. is that there's so much to keep up with. Um, but I did, I mean, the two more, I mean, the last 30 seconds just... It's the first time in a long time that I've just like stopped, rewind, rewatched again, where, you know, where Fitz is just like, this is a horrible future. Just our daughter marries a a, a, a space junkie and we get a deke. <laughs> um, I mean, just like his, his, his bashing of deke was just hilarious. And I also just loved the little moment of Coulson where there's some point where they're going through all this and he's just like, Go team, and um, and it was so incredibly sarcastic and wonderful. Um, so yeah, Shield just continues to be exciting and and pulling it off. Holy callbacks! We got young Hell. We got young Jasper Sitwell. We got young um, Strucker, Daddy Von Strucker. Yeah, and then we got the same Daniel Whitehall. Um, yeah, callbacks, man. That one, uh, the uh, dialogue between Hale and Whitehall where she got her assignment, I thought that was very, very chilling yeah. of sorts. The so, whole, like, Virgin I Mary thing they were doing to her there, like, I did not yeah. see that coming at all, so. I didn't either. Like, I wasn't putting the pieces together, and then all of a sudden she's, like, artificially inseminated. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking in that ballpark. So, uh, yeah, whoever that actress was, I thought she did a very, very good job. Mm. Um, yeah, that the ending part was hilarious, too. Did they ever say that he engraved the Swiss knife type thing? I can't remember that. I, yeah. So, no, I, I don't remember that. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool, especially because Fitz absolutely hates D. Um, yeah, it was enjoyable. I mean, it's it's this. I don't want to say this season is better than last, but it's very very good TV compared to other superhero shows. Yeah, I was really impressed with um, uh, with the job that Chloe Bennett is doing with this storyline with Fitz. Like, she has real like rage and like you don't get to like this isn't okay. Like, we can't just like. And, and the way they're handling it, where he's like, I know that it was bad and I hate it, but I also think it was, like, super necessary. Like, I'm I'm loving that that tension of, like, he's not going to lie and say, oh, I'm sorry, I should have never done that, because he knows he had to. And he knows that, like, th- th- it's this really interesting thing when the, the question is, like, would you do something terrible if you know that something terrible is what it would take to save the world? You know, like... It kind of reminds me of um, 24. This was always Jack Bauer's thing of like, there were always these lines and you're like, Jack's not going to do that, is he? And he'd be like, hand me a hacksaw and just, you know, like it would just do the terrible thing because he, that's his job. Like he's the man on the wall to take a comic reference, right? You know, the, the guy that stops stuff. And I'm, I'm loving that dynamic and that they're keeping it messy and it's not like, it's not easily taken care of, but I don't think it's overly dramatic either. It's just, two people honestly differing in how they approach stuff, you know? Um, 
All right. So they mentioned that the um, Space Hydra, which I'm still, I'm going to take a half victory on. It's kind of Space Hydra. But they mentioned that this intergalactic confederacy wants Inhumans. A, is this the point in the script where we were supposed to mix in the Inhumans from the Inhuman show? And B, are they, is there any chance that they do it? Or are, are those guys good and dead? I don't know. I want it. You know, I mean, they have gone lengths to surprise us. I mean, even, well, of course, it was the 100th episode, so it warranted it. But, I mean, there was some great callback, like Deathlock. And apparently Deathlock's people are still walking around the lighthouse because there's always random people in the background with clipboards now, I guess. Um, it'd be cool. I think we should get at least Karnak. Or one of the the better people in that show, you know? Because Kevin Lung wasn't... Do- that's that's his name, right? Okay. I, could- <laughs> I thought that was the name of the hangover guy. So I'm glad I didn't mix that up. But, no, uh, that's yeah, close. He's I mean, Ken Young. Uh, I mean, yeah, they have yeah. similar names. Yeah. That show was forever ago already. But I mean, yeah. I think it would be cool to have something. I don't want them I mean I one I I think I mean I think most of those actors are trying to get as far away from that as possible but I'm sure there's something in their contract that they have to be available or something um but I would hate you know I mean I think I'm probably the same place as you Caleb where I'd I don't want them to be done with the MCU, but I also kind of want the MCU to just get as far away from that TV show as possible. And maybe just reboot the Inhumans in the MCU. So, um, I mean, if Black Bolt just showed up and did something, I would be fine. But if they never do, I might be more fine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it would be a mistake to bring it back up. At this point, people are starting to forget that it exists. And so, um, yeah, that's good. I, I don't think we need it to come back. Um, uh, let's see. My notes here. Um, are you guys enjoying... Um, so, Hale's daughter. Um, the whole thing about her becoming the breaker of worlds. And the... F- the fact that Hale won't listen to like Colson's like, no, I saw the future. And she's like, I've been part of Hydra and they put a baby in me and we're trying to create a super soldier serum. But the future, I can't believe that. Like, are you guys enjoying where we're going with that whole storyline? Or is that feeling a little forced for you? No, I think it's very interesting. It's all fit. It's feeling like it's all just this little missing piece. We've never seen before. I, I'm liking it. One question I have. Um, Whitehall was talking about kind of like a, a super soldier type thing. Um, program. So, who's the dad? Did I miss that? Do we not know who Ruby's father is? Like, she wasn't... Like a creation right she was some dude's dna that they selected <laughs> some right? dude's dna yes <laughs> well thanks for keeping so it pg I man just, i mean 
<laughs> like I wasn't. Yeah, I mean, who who's it gonna be? Or I mean, is that something we're gonna find out, or is it, I'm just. I don't know, because Hales says she's not ready. I mean, that wasn't that Hales' assignment was to carry the child into the program. Then all of a sudden at the end, she's like, oh, we kind of sort of have access to Daisy Johnson almost. She'd be perfect instead of this person I've worked my entire life for, you know? Yeah, I, I think we were supposed to understood some disillusionment there, right? Like the fact she didn't make... Uh, by the way, I love the callback to the dogs. I totally forgot that whole thing with um with ward excuse me i forgot that whole thing with ward and so i kind of love seeing that come back um but when she kills the teacher and kind of that's that was to me saying that she was done with hydra and its values and so but now i think she's feeling some regret that maybe her daughter doesn't have the same edge to her or she's admitting that hydra isn't perfect the part that was weird to me because they kind of were playing, they're kind of playing this Hydra sexism card, right? Where Hydra was being sort of mistreating her because she was a woman. But then Hydra artificially puts a baby in her that's a girl. Like, that seems really odd to me. Like, I thought that if they were going to, like, come up with super sperm, that they would have probably made it a boy child. That just seems the way that the logic of that episode was going, so... That seemed odd to me, but not that that's what I would do. I think girls are wonderful. Um, those are the only kind of children <laughs> apparently I'm capable of having. So I've got four girls. So yeah, that's it's nothing against girls. I just think if you're a, if you're a Nazi, you might just like guys better. I think is a possibility. That's all I'm saying. So all right, uh, let's talk real quick about uh, the news on, on Shield this week. Several sites. Um, updated uh shield as on the bubble i think this show is now officially joining like fringe and community as the most consistently on the bubble show in the history of television uh we talked about this last year we felt like the framework would have been a good landing point and then we got this season i think we're happy we have i don't know just updated status do you guys want to see this continue on into a season six or should they kind of finish this out, tie it into Infinity War, and be done? I don't. I mean, it's one of those where it's so good that you know, do you end it while it's you know, end it while it's going really well? You know, leave people wanting more. Um, but then again, it's so good. I don't want it to end. I mean, like I have faith in the writers that if they got another season, they could do some really awesome stuff. Um. But it's possible they're using up everything. <laughs> and like by the end of the season, it'll just be like, nope, nothing left. But um, so I, I'm excited to see that it's not a definite, you know, last season there was a lot, it was a definite cancellation last season. I mean, you know, the news came out that ABC only renewed it because the mouse said so. Um so I mean, Mickey kicked down cool, some doors cool. and was like, "Listen here, yeah. guys, we're gonna do it again." <laughs> That's my Mickey Mouse voice. <laughs> that was amazing, Caleb. <laughs> that was an amazing Mickey voice. Um, but he did. <laughs> so um, I mean, I mean, it's pretty awesome that it's doing well enough that I mean, what in their fifth season makes a revival like this? 
we we've gotten a lot of i mean jed's been on record saying that they're writing these or they had written this season's finale as if it would be a good cap to the show and that's not something we actually got last season you know last season was a lot of scoopage and reports and and things of that nature so i guess i mean i love shield it's one of the shows i've watched from beginning to end while it's actually on air um but i would rather it end with a really kick-ass season five than see it go long enough to be bad again you know kind of like i always refer to the office i mean the first you know seasons two and seven were the best we could have done without seasons eight and nine you know so i mean if season six is gonna be garbage let's just if if season five's wrapped up nice let's let's just leave it there and not try to do some funky stuff that we're all gonna dislike you know yeah from a purely selfish perspective do the seinfeld thing end it while people are still loving it because if i have to review episode 18 of a garbage (laughs) season six on this podcast I will, uh, you know, just save us. So, I, you know, the other side of this, though, is this show has got, I still believe, I still hold that my rankings of the show is just inverse order of release. I feel like every season has been better than the one before for my tastes. And uh, we've seen that it's rocky when new shows start. I mean, we saw Inhumans fail. Uh, Runaways we really enjoyed, but, you know, I'm hoping that season two is going to be a lot better than season one now that they've gotten set up. Um, I guess Netflix is the counter example, but you know, I mean, iron fist did not start well. I hope that it's going to only improve from here. And so if it's one of these things where these shows need a year or two or a season or two to get their feet under them, let's not take away something that's now like finally, you know, clicking. So, um, I don't know. I could see them also bridging it over to, to Disney streaming. You know, I think at this point, the loyal, AOS like fans, I think it would be a decent thing to like nail down a spot on that streaming service. So why reinvent a Marvel show when you've got one that people already watch faithfully? So the best part of agents of shield this week was all of the Hydra slurs that Talbot had come up with. Yes. All the times he's like, you squid bellies, my favorite. I had to Google it cause I didn't know what it meant, but my favorite line that I thought was incredible was at one point he says, you filthy calamari matahari, which <laughs> I didn't know what a matahari was. Apparently that's a, um, she was a spy. She was like a prostitute spy in World War One for the Germans. And so it's a pretty deep cut, but the rhyming of calamari matahari, <laughs> I was so impressed by. And they all sounded so mean, like something like, the kind of, it was kind of like, um, when they used to use frack in uh, Battlestar Galactica as their, their curse word. And it was great because you're not really cursing, but it just sounds nasty. Like, oh, what the frack, you know? And so I just now, like, when someone takes me off, I just want to be like, shut up, you squid belly. <laughs> like, it just it sounds, it sounds awesome. We talked a little bit about the Deadpool thing. Um, and the possibility that it's Marvel's fault and that Marvel kind of chickened out on Deadpool animated at the last minute. Um, we've seen Inhumans not go well. I think we all felt Jessica was 
fine, but Jessica Jones season two was not as good as the first one. I think for most of us, we've talked about the Netflix issues and Defenders was not what we had hoped it would be. And Iron Fist was definitely not what we hoped it would be. Um, so, you know, we desire for no person to lose their job. But that being said, uh, is it is it time for Jeff Loeb to go? Like, is there enough evidence at this point that Marvel TV is kind of in a bad spot and they maybe need some new energy onto stuff? Discuss. <laughs> we haven't gotten any feeling like when we were er, earlier in the podcast, when we were discussing Feige, and I was like, I'm sure Feige has minions. Like, Loeb seems to not have you know put together whatever feige has done to keep his consistency now i realize feige is keeping continuity and high quality alive in seven hours of content per year you know maybe nine in a big year you know once we include all the extra scenes or whatever if we're really generous Whereas Loeb is reigning over, what, 100 hours of television a year? Something, probably more than that when you add in Legion and, you know, everything Marvel television has. So, like, who knows if it's really Loeb that's... But he is the bottom line. He is the top of the food chain. So if it is just that people midway around are are failing he's not straightening that up and there hasn't been any sort of major shakeup in the creative leadership or whatever is going on there um so i mean even if Loeb doesn't if Loeb doesn't go he needs to do something with the creative leadership for consistency and high quality yeah no, that's that's the biggest thing. The one word that I could probably choose to describe, you know, the status of the TV side would be inconsistent. Um, I mean, we've gotten very, very good stuff with Daredevil Season 1. You know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s firing on all cylinders, but then again, we've gotten Inhumans and Iron Fist. I mean, those two do have one common link, but we, we banned that name on the podcast. Right, <laughs> the one who shall not be named. <laughs> um, be named, yes. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know. You know, we've we've discussed net. Have we discussed Netflix fatigue? Is that what we're calling it? We've discussed kind of being tired out by some of the Netflix stuff. Um, so I'm not sure what the. I can't pinpoint the problem, I guess. But when you get in situations like this and people are talking, you know, it's it's always the, the person at the top of the food chain. I do think we have gotten a little bit spoiled by watching the movies. You know, we hold Kev Feige as a savior of sorts, you know, because we've gotten two bad movies, maybe. How many, you know, compared to all the stuff that's coming out now, you know, the, it just feels like the, the TV's much lower quality or at least the quality's very, very inconsistent. Yeah. So let's make, the, I'm going to make the counter case a little bit, partially because, um, Michael T Ford in the live stream is, is, is shooting me great content. That I'm just going to steal. So, um, 
But you know, we're we're not used to talking about the X stuff as use as much. We were kind of MCU exclusive show for a long time, but we got to remember Legion still does exist. And next week, I I don't know about you, I'm pumped about Legion coming back. It's a TV show I love. Um, and Loeb does that just as much as he does other things. Um, I didn't totally jump on the gifted train, but if we're kind of doing the scoreboard of hits and misses, I think the relative quality of the gifted needs to be counted in there. And, you know, as for all that we've teased about it, I felt like Punisher was very solid. I thought Jessica Jones two was pretty good. And I really, really liked runaways. Right. So like, I don't know. I think it's the, um, the iron fist in human stink is so noxious <laughs> that it's easy to like get kind of caught in it. But I think there are some other things happening with other properties that, that are, are, are going well. Um, I think the thing that's weird for me, it may be that Jeff Loeb is a great salesman that when he goes to these comic cons, he acts, he's super excited about all of them. But when the, I cannot get out of my head the look on his face at the Inhumans TCA panel where he was like, it's like somebody punched him in the gut, like somebody stole his puppy that he couldn't believe, stole his lockjaw, you know, like that, like people couldn't believe he, like, he couldn't understand that people hated it. And I, I just wonder, like, how does he not how do you make Legion and then make Inhumans and not recognize that they're they're totally different in quality not just tone but like quality and like how do you watch the dailies of iron fist and go oh yeah we should hire that guy to do another show like that's that's the part that's that's befuddling to me i mean even if we're not talking about iron fist and inhumans i mean the tv's equivalency of the avengers and the defenders that's still probably the most disappointed I've ever been in an MCU property, you know. I was so hyped for that show, and it w- ended up being—I'd call it a mess of sorts. It was much, much worse than I thought it'd be. We've talked so much about my pain, Rhiannon. Talk about your pain as <laughs> the Defenders came out. <laughs> it was a big disappointment. I mean, I, I mean, and I've ranted about it enough. I mean, our listeners that have been around a while, but I mean. Everything about this was that there was a setup from day one, you know, that they were working towards this team up and we expected there to be, we expected the Avengers, you know, we expected, or I expected like civil war, you know, where, where all of the stuff, all of these pieces have been these, these stepping stones have been laid and, and the foundation was there and that it was all going to come together in some big aha moment. But I feel like the television side keeps getting on these schedules and they have to meet the schedule and the schedule doesn't give time to give the, you know, didn't give time for them to sit back and plan out what would bring the defenders together and didn't give time to give the writers of those shows, you know, those pieces. Cause you can give them foundation pieces that need to be laid and um, and ask them to build on that. And I do hope one day, I mean, I, I on my other podcast once, I got to interview one of the writers on Iron Fist before the Defenders came out. And I asked, you know, were you asked to lay certain building blocks 
you know, to work its way to the defenders. And she couldn't answer at the time. So, you know, I'm hoping one day I can go back and ask her about that. Um, now, you know, like on the record, like what, you know, now can you tell me, you know, what you had to get to, uh, where you had to go, you know, what direction were you given purely for getting to defenders? Um, because I'm just really curious what was there, you know, how much artistic license was there. Um, and it was just a disappointment. And I mean, and I don't put that all on low. Like I thought from day one, I sort of thought Drew Goddard had this, you know, sort of laid out this universe and that there was a master plan in play. I thought it was all sort of planned in advance and it really just seemed to be by the seat of the pants and disappointing. Sometimes I feel like um, maybe they're aiming a little too low. Like, um, I don't know. I, I may be talking about things that I understand here, but like, I, I think about like some HBO shows, like a Game of Thrones or a Westworld. And it seems like, you know, you talk about schedule. They seem to do those shows. They take their time to put it out, right? And fans get annoyed sometimes that it takes so long to get out. But they're like, we want to make a really good, big, like biggest, you know, everybody's talking about it, water cooler moment, like TV, right? And I got even a little bit of that when they started talking in humans. We're going to put it on IMAX, like Game of Thrones, and it's going to be the next big thing. But then they don't put any money into it. And they don't put any time, you know, like the Inhumans autopsy. We've heard that they rushed things through. They threw the thing together very quickly. IMAX wanted some content, so they threw this property at it. They got it cast together real fast. People were, I mean, what was it? The costume designers had like a day or two to design the costumes. Do I, am I remembering that right? Like there was all these crazy stories. And then Scott Buck was brought in because he can do a show quickly and on budget. And like even uh, Roll Rain or whatever his name was, the director got caught admitting that. He was like, I was brought in because I work cheap and fast. And like, to me, that's, that's a vision thing, though. That's not, hey, here at Marvel TV, we are trying to create the world's best TV shows. It's, hey, here at Marvel TV, we're trying to create something for fanboys so that we can tick off some some Nielsen ratings. You know, like, it's just... it's just uh, Maybe that's overly cynical. I'm not trying to be negative. But I don't know how else to understand some of the things they're doing where it, sometimes it just feels like they're trying to crank stuff out just to crank it out without any like ambition to make something truly fabulous. So I mean, should we be worried that they're filming three shows as we speak on Netflix? Right. We've confirmed that Punisher two is filming now, right? Uh, there's been debate about that. Cause it, no, there's no, there's, there's actual film signs. I am now on board that Punisher is filming. Okay. What I meant was Rhiannon had told me that maybe no, but now that she's saying yes, (laughs) yes, it's filming. There, no, there, um, there were legit filming signs this week that a friend sent me, and uh, it must be filming. I, I can't believe that. I mean, and that was something that we talked about this week, too, is just, like, is Net- yeah, how frantic are they to be filming three of the Netflix shows at once? Well, so let's talk about, that seems like an elephant in the room. We have discussed privately that maybe they are cranking out as many Netflix shows as possible, before a not official, not actually in the news, just our speculation 
time bomb goes off where Netflix loses these Marvel characters and they move over to net to mouse flicks. That's not something that's been announced. We're just, we're looking at the pace of the Netflix shows and we're wondering if maybe they're trying to fit as many in as possible before they lose a contract. That's a guess we're making. Uh, do you think it's possible that mouse flicks is going to free Marvel TV up to do some new fun things? No, no, I really don't. I think it's just going to further complicate everything. I mean, the last thing I want is one more network. I mean, because what what we keep hearing, you know, what we heard all the time about S.H.I.E.L.D. not interacting with the Netflix universe is, oh, well, you know, corporate BS between the two networks. Um, so now we have Freeform, Hulu, ABC, Netflix, FX, and Mouseflix. And, I mean... No, I don't think that's going to make anything better. It may help that pretty soon Disney will own everything. I would just point out that <laughs> FX, ABC, Freeform, Hulu are all are all going to... Hi, guys! I own you all now! You know, like... <laughs> this could be our recurring characters. We start just talking about these issues. And also, we'll just have like a Mickey head like come up on the screen. Hello! <laughs> I'm here. Because, I mean, Disney does own all this garbage now soon, so. Yeah. I mean, they don't own Netflix yet, but. Behind the scenes, so, so hopefully I'm understanding this right. So, essentially, Netflix purchases the show from Marvel, right? Then Marvel still retains creative control over the script and all that stuff? I mean, does Netflix have some sort of input into the shows, or...? Yes. Yes. I know that Netflix had direct input on the staffing of Iron Fist Season 2. Hmm. That's probably because like, the first season made people unsubscribe, right? Like, I'm <laughs> done with this. <laughs> it, it was... You know, it, it was of the... Of the uh, I heard rumors when I was in San Diego that the renewal was based on, you know, hey, we'll give Iron Fist a second season if Scott Buck isn't around. I mean, let's look at look at all the visual effects they've used in space and stuff. Just imagine if they put that in Inhumans. One of that made a lot more sense. Right. I mean, the space shots have been beautiful and all that stuff. So it's just kind of like creative decisions, you know? Just uh, imagine our... what's... Imagine how nice season five of Inhumans might have looked. Exactly. Oh, that would have been a drag to get all the way to season five. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, like, Karnak is sitting in a methadone clinic with, you know, <laughs> with uh, with Funke from Arrested Development. <laughs> Tobias, Tobias and Karnak doing their acting classes together. That's, uh, that's a crossover I'd like to see. Yeah, I think the other the other element we should probably mention is um, that in the end, there are other people involved. Like it's easy for us to talk about Loeb. Um, you know, there's different networks as we mentioned. You've got ABC, you've got Freeform, and even though even if Disney owns them all, there's you know. There are different people that are running those things and are looking for different demographics. Um, also, I 
Perlmutter is still sitting like Claw from Inspector Gadget, like behind the scenes stroking his cat, you know? And um, again, I mean, we've talked about, you know, this is all hypo, you know, uh, this is all things that no one knows because no one's photographed the man in 30 years. But, you know, people say that he's notoriously cheap. You wonder if Loeb's, you know, budget concerns are maybe a little bit Perlmutter, you know, trying to make cheap stuff, you know. Um, there's still a little bit of that stink on Marvel Entertainment on the TV side from, like, the, the Toy Biz days, you know, where they were just, like, repainting action figures, like, old molds of action figures with new paint to sell them again, you know, like, that kind of cheap, garbagey stuff that would happen. That would happen with Marvel, so... That's still there, I think. Um, I would love to see... I'll so here's what would be great. Let's take whatever exec is at FX. Whoever has been greenlighting Atlanta and Fargo and Legion and all that stuff, right? He's clearly going to be in a restructuring situation here very soon. Let him work with Loeb. Let him come over to Marvel TV. You know, like... For crying out loud, let's give Noah Hawley a little more control or something. I, I don't know. Like, given how great FX stuff is and how great Legion is, I would love... I think this is a case where some of the Fox creatives coming into the Marvel fold could be a really good thing for these TV shows. You know, and it would be a natural way to do it. Like, kind of merge some of these these folks into new departments and shuffle some chairs around. I think could be really interesting. Uh, I'll go to the mailbag. Not too much going on this week. Um, first of all, thanks for following along in the live chat. I know we've had, it says two watching. I know Michael T. Ford, I'm guessing the jackhammer is around in the background as well. Um, so anyways, thanks to Michael T. Ford for all the great stuff. He was suggesting, uh, Hydra Hogwarts, Hydra Hogwarts as a, uh, great option for the name of the Hydra school. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Chris, uh, had left us some comments on SoundCloud um, he was thinking that Deke is definitely going to break the time loop in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because he said with all the flashbacks we've seen, none of the flashbacks mention Deke as being around, right? Like, they showed us kind of what happens between the beginning of the season and the future stuff in the season and them trying to figure things out and we never see Deke walking around. We see Robin, we see May, we see Fitzsimmons but never Deke, so that maybe he really is the big difference. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, he also was helping us out. We talked about Cloak and Dagger last week and sort of the edginess, and he was saying, yes, the drug stuff was that way, um, but that Misty Knight and Iron Fist are, to his knowledge, the first interracial Marvel couple. So uh, just that was an interesting bit of history. Um, we were talking about the uh, Sokovia Accords. Alvin on YouTube or on Twitter had said, uh, trying to share, he thinks that the Accords, as we said last week, are a UN thing, and then S.H.I.E.L.D. has to do it because they work internationally, but then he ended his tweet with, quote, but who the hell knows, which I believe is pretty much where we're, we're sitting on this, so I think that's all the mail. All right, um, next week, I think we will probably talk about Legion as our main conversation, I think we're going to try to review Legion along with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We might have to start making the reviews a little shorter, um, but that's coming up. 
And I think that does it for this week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can interact with us a lot of different ways. You can send us messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. You can also communicate with us via our SoundCloud or MarvelNewsDesk.com posts each week. Uh, if you want to support the show, give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. There is a new video that we posted up on Friday that will also be hitting YouTube uh, later this week for everybody who's not on Patreon. Uh, you can also get access to our special MCU film ranking episode that way, available to Patreon supporters. Um, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk or subscribe to our YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. That helps us out. That helps us out a lot right now. Uh, you can also help the show be more visible if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. But the number one thing you do every week is you listen and you tell your friends, and we are so thankful for that. Thank you to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thank you to Alvin for the theme music. He's on a variety of social media platforms as at the Skull School. Uh, that does it for this week, and we'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs>